This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Taking a run of until 8 o'clock, so a abbreviated program tonight because then we got a little thing called Knicks basketballs. The Knicks look to stay red hot against a Luka Doncic-less Dallas Mavericks team and a couple of other guys Dallas not going to have in the lineup tonight too. So another good opportunity for the Knicks to continue their winning ways on the road tonight against a quality opponent. So we'll have that coverage for you beginning at 8 o'clock. But we got a lot to do between now and then. As per usual, you can get me on the old X at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Joe is here. Chantel is here. They're producing the program tonight as well. And like I said, we'll get to the basketball a little bit later on, maybe even sprinkle in some baseball here too. But still a lot of football that is going to lead off the conversation because now we're just a day closer to the start of super, and I stress super, wild card weekend in the National Football League. We got the two games on Saturday, three of them on Sunday, and then the one on Monday night between the Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this coaching news over the last couple of days, it's enough to make your head spin. And for some of you, maybe your head is still spinning. And if you cover the league and if you're a fan of the league, You know, what we've seen just over the last 48 hours, it's really kind of like unprecedented. When you think about the caliber of coach, which is now no longer employed by the team that they are most associated with, it's just, it's remarkable. It's staggering, right? I mean, the Pete Carroll was the first shoe to drop yesterday after a long run with the Seattle Seahawks. And then right before we got on the air last night, we find out that Nick Saban arguably the greatest coach in college football. I would say modern college football, that's for sure. He decided to ride off into the sunset and close out his illustrious chapter at the University of Alabama. And then today, you know, the worst-kept secret that we all kind of were anticipating over the last several weeks, and that was the end of Bill Belichick's run with the New England Patriots. And it's not so much as just the guy that we watch from afar and somebody that you know, really wreaked havoc on the teams in this area, mostly the Jets, over the better part of two decades plus. But, you know, there's an association and there's a tie-in to the Jets and the Giants here, obviously. You know, and if you go all the way back to the 80s, when Belichick was this wonderkin hotshot assistant under Bill Parcells and was the defensive coordinator and those giant championship teams in 86 and in 1990 You think about those teams, and if you were old enough to remember them, those were teams that were fueled by defense. You know, that was the calling card for those football teams. And who was the guy who was the architect? Well, it was Bill Belichick. And you knew that eventually he was going to have an opportunity to run his own team and to become a head coach. And then when Bill Parcells rode off into the sunset, you know, Bill got a head coaching job, his first one, and ended up with the Cleveland Browns. And he, you know, built up that program a little bit and then got it to a place where You know, in 1994, that was a quality team. Playoff team, made the playoffs, won a playoff game, got all the way to the second round, and, you know, you could see that they were building something there. And then 1995 hit, and when that roster, which was a pretty damn good one in the AFC, people forget, Art Modell decided to make the announcement that he was moving the team from Cleveland to Baltimore, And they were going to be eventually, you know, known as the Baltimore Ravens. That 95 Cleveland season just completely went up in smoke. And despite all the talent that they had on that club, it just never, ever was able to get off the ground. And they were almost like a lame duck football team. And so Belichick got blown out. A lot of the coaches got blown out. And then they go to Baltimore and take on this identity as the Ravens. Then within a handful of years, they're champions. You know, they they did a documentary on it 
on the uh, the NFL Network because a lot of those players, a lot of the guys who were you know foundational players on that team, they were still from the old Cleveland Browns. And we know that others came along, of course, with the Ray Lewises and the Jonathan Ogdens. And look, it, it, it changes a little bit there. But, you know, the, the, the imprint of that team was, you know, what Belichick started there in Cleveland. So, okay, he's done in Cleveland. He hooks up with Parcells in New England as a defensive assistant. They have success there. They get to a Super Bowl, and then they lose to Brett Favre and the Packers. And then Bill has a falling out with Robert Kraft, and lo and behold, Parcells and Belichick come back to this area and they take over the Jets, a team that had fallen on hard times, that had won four games in the previous two seasons under Rich Kotite. And then all of a sudden they got that program cooking again. In the second year, they're in the AFC championship game, came this close to getting back to that elusive Super Bowl. Then 1999 was supposed to be the year where it was all supposed to come together. Jets were the popular pick to win a Super Bowl. In 1999. And what ended up happening? Well, Vinny Testaverde blew out his Achilles week one. And, you know, they salvaged something, but it was too little too late. But that was really it. And then Parcells at the end of 99 said, I'm done. I've coached my last game. I'm done. And then I'm handing off the reins to Bill Belichick. And so you thought it was going to be Belichick's program now. And there was a lot of talent still on that team. It was still a win-now type of football team. And he was the head coach for a couple of days. And then... He goes up on that podium at Hofstra and scribbles a few words down on a napkin and says that I'm resigning as the coach of the Jets. And then the story takes the chapter that he's going to be most known for. He ends up with the New England Patriots. You know, he has a tough season that first year, trying to build up that program. They won, I think, five games. And then in 2001, it looked like they probably still were headed for another tough season. Maybe not as bad as that first one, but then that second game of the season, Jets go up to Foxborough, and, you know, it's kind of a nip-and-tuck affair, close, tight-scoring game. And then Drew Bledsoe scrambles from the pocket, tries to get out of bounds, and he is walloped by Mo Lewis. And then in comes some guy named Tom Brady. Six Super Bowl championships later, here we are. But a 24-year run is really unprecedented, especially this day and age, Right? Like, to think about being able to last that long in one place with one organization. You know, the old saying and the the prevailing thought when it comes to coaching is that in one ear and out the other after a while, right? How the message that you have and you're trying to impart on guys in that locker room and the players that it starts to wear out after a period of time. You might have success. Hell, you might get to the top of the mountain. You might be a championship team. But ultimately, it's going to wear thin one day. And for 24 years, you didn't really see evidence of that. Now, winning is going to cure a lot of those things. And when you have that type of success, for really, I would say, the first 20 years while Brady was still there, that's going to be unmatched. And if you were around to see it, I'm not sitting here saying you have to like it, but if you're a fan of football, it's something that you respect because we're not ever going to see anything like that again. That type of sustained, elongated success with one franchise and one organization, that will never happen again. That is the greatest run in the history of the National Football League. And I don't care what else you want to reference, whether you want to talk about the Lombardi Packers, when you want to talk about, you know, the Walsh 49ers with Montana and then Steve Young. You think about, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, what they did in the 70s, whatever type of team you want to talk about. It's not going to match that excellence of being that good for two decades. And what makes it even more impressive is you think about 
the challenges that you have to endure in the modern day of football with free agency, coaches coming and going. There's no stability and continuity anymore. And so to completely reload like they had to do on a couple of occasions, it wasn't like the same core for those six Super Bowls. You had that core for the first three, and then they had to retool a little bit, and then those three later championships they won, it was a new cast of characters. But the one common denominator was the quarterback. And, yes, that makes everything a lot easier for you. It just so happens that he happens to be the best to ever play the position. Okay, that also helps a little bit. But I'm not one of those guys, and I'd love to hear from you, too, with any sort of, you know, prevailing thoughts on this at 800-919-3776. I've never been one of those guys, and I know that the popular thing to do from a media perspective, more nationally, is to poke fun at the fact that, you know, 24 years ago he was the coach of the Jets. And he should have been the coach of the Jets. And everything that happened with the New England Patriots would have happened as well if he stayed on with the Jets. I don't believe that for a second. I never believed that. How can you? Who could sit here and forecast that that type of success is going to happen anywhere, much less in one place that, you know, is still trying to get to that place again after five-plus decades? You don't know how things would have played themselves out. You know, would Tom Brady have been drafted? Would Tom Brady have, you know, turned into what he was? Would everything have fired exactly the same way? So the Jet fan, I guess, is, you know, reason to be a little bit saltier over this thing, and there's probably no sort of emotional ties to the situation. You do feel a heck of a lot better, though, that now you know you sent them out in his last game with the New England Patriots with a victory in Week 18 on Sunday, right? That probably is a little bit sweeter with the snowy conditions and, you know, the, the blustery white blizzard conditions you had out there. And, you know, I'm sure that didn't make him feel good standing there, knowing that he's going to lose a game to the Jets, a team that he got the better of more often than not during his time with the Patriots. But then you have the Giants tie-in as well, not only because he was tied to the team as an assistant coach and helped them win two Super Bowls, and as a Giant fan, you know, you, you probably canonized Belichick. Because he was so good for you as a coach back in the 80s, helping you win Super Bowls. And then when you met him again on the ultimate stage with your football team against his football team, you beat him not once, but twice. And the first one was maybe one of the great victories in the history of the league because you spoiled perfection. You made 18-1 and one happen. So the Belichick relationship for the Giant fan probably is as good as any. Giant fans are saying, hell, put Belichick in the ring of honor. He was good for us, and we beat him twice in the Super Bowl. Nothing could be better than that. Nothing. It's the Jet fan that probably has to come to terms with this and look at it a little bit differently. And as I said, you know what? Would the Jets have been any better over the last 24 years if there was no Brady and Belichick in the AFC East? I don't know. Would they have gotten to a Super Bowl? I don't know, right? And a lot of people always want to look at the run that they've had for two decades and say, well, half the reason the Patriots were so good every year is because look at the division they were in. They were in the crummy AFC East. Jets were going through some stuff. The Dolphins weren't always good. Buffalo was rebuilding more often than not. And so that made life so much easier for the Patriots. They got essentially an automatic bye to the playoffs every year as the champions of the division. Well, don't they deserve credit for that a little bit? That the rest of the division wasn't maybe as good because they were really, really good? 
that has to count a little bit as well. And, you know, we're going to be having these debates and these arguments probably till the end of time when looking back at that run and say, well, who was more responsible, right? Was it Brady or was it Belichick? Was it Belichick? Was it Brady? Yeah, I know that Brady left New England. He went down to Tampa Bay and he won a Super Bowl. And after Brady left Foxborough, the Pats weren't as good. They made the playoffs one time, but those other years, they were pretty bad. So it's a lot easier when you have that guy. If you ask me, yeah, players ultimately are going to be the deciding factor. So if there was no Tom Brady for two decades up in New England, I don't think they're winning six Super Bowls. I can promise you that. I don't even know if he's going to be the coach for two decades. Eventually, I think they would have figured it out. And probably, you know, he would have got to that big game, maybe won a championship because he's a really, really good coach. You know, you can't take that away from him. He's a really, really good coach. And, oh, by the way, they had a pretty decent quarterback up there in Drew Bledsoe, who was not too shabby himself. Remember, he was the guy that they gave the boatload of money to in the big contract because he was the franchise quarterback. So there was something to work with. And if you gave him a little bit of time, maybe he would have built that thing into something special. But it's a complicated legacy, right, between Spygate, Deflategate. I'll tell you, it makes for one hell of a documentary feature, which I guess is coming on Apple TV here next month. The Patriot Dynasty will be interesting how they portray that thing. Now that we could essentially close the book on it. It was over when Brady walked out of town, but now it's really, really over. And if you're the Jets, you hope you start anew next year in September. Already having a win in your pocket against the Patriots. You ended the Belichick run with a victory. And so whoever the new head coach is going to be up there, when you step out on that field the first time next season, whether it's in MetLife or up at Gillette Stadium, take it on the Patriots, you should look at it as, all right, clean slate. Now it's our turn. Maybe we exercise the demons. All it took was a little bit of snowfall last Sunday up there and a good old victory to take back the upper hand in the rivalry. You could hope at least, right? The very least, that's all you can take with you, a little bit of hope. And he says he still wants to coach. Let's see where he ends up. I don't think it's going to be in the AFC East, but who knows? Maybe if you're the Jets, you're the Giants, you're going to see Belichick on an opposite sideline once next season rolls around in the fall of 2024. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone. I'm really curious to hear from the football fans between the Giants and the Jets and, you know, their feelings. On the end of an era. You know, it's not like you have to be a Pat. It's just, you're a football fan. You're a sports fan. This is this is something important. Monumental. Never going to be seen again. We'll get into the basketball. We'll get into the baseball, too. Remember, we're hanging out with you until 8 o'clock tonight. Then we got Knicks basketball. Knicks and Mavs as a two-game road trip kicks off tonight down in Big D. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. 
Tennessee, Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Grasso Show, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, we go till 8 o'clock tonight. Then it's Knicks basketball. Knicks end the Dallas Mavericks. So here was Bill earlier today announcing his decision to sever ties mutually with Robert Kraft's New England Patriots. Robert and I, after a series of discussions, have mutually agreed to part ways. For me, this is a day of gratitude and celebration. Start with Robert and his family. It's great. So much thanks for the opportunity to be head coach here for 24 years. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity. Received tremendous support. We had a vision of building a winner, building a championship football team here. And that's exceeded my wildest dreams and expectations. The amount of success that we were able to achieve together, you know, through a lot of hard work and, you know, contributions of so many people. So I'm very proud of that. And I always have those great memories. I'll carry with those, those with me the rest of my life. It's weird. They didn't, like, Bill didn't take any questions. So, like, he went up there, Kraft went up there, and Bill kind of just gave a statement. And he stepped over to the side. And then Kraft went up to the podium. He made a statement. And then they both exited stage left. After about 10 minutes. And then two hours later, Kraft came back to field questions from the media. Like, Bill never took any questions from the media, which was odd. I mean, I don't know why he couldn't just sit there and take the questions then. I don't know if he had to, like, break for lunch or something. If they had something uh, good in the cafeteria today up there in Foxborough that they had to get to and it's best to be eaten when it's hot or something. So, it'll be interesting to see. I know Gerard Mayo, who's on that staff former Patriot linebacker. He's kind of like the hot name, and he's been kind of the popular name for the last couple of years as maybe the next guy that was going to take over for Bill Belichick. And that also brings up another topic as well. Like, those three names that have vacated the coaching ranks, at least currently, over the last couple of days, right? Pete Carroll and Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Those are legendary coaches, especially in those places. And In the coaching profession, you always hear about guys who never want to follow a legend. 
right? You don't ever want to follow the guy and take over for the guy. You want to be somebody who maybe takes over for the guy who took over for the guy. Unless you're the Pittsburgh Steelers because they've had three coaches in the last, like, 60 years because they never give up jobs. It just, it's also a reason why they win so damn much. You know, continuity means something in the National Football League. So it'll be curious to see which way they go. You know, whether it's Gerard Mayo, I know that Mike Vrabel's name is being thrown out there. I have no idea what kind of a coach Gerard Mayo's going to be, but I know that Mike Vrabel's a real good coach, and they both have those Patriot ties. So is that a direction they look to go? I mean, remember, in this town, once upon a time, the thought was always and the talk was, well, who was going to be the guy to succeed Joe Torre? Because Joe Torre had a legendary run with the New York Yankees. Right, winning four world championships. And it's like, who was going to be the guy when Tory's time ran out in the Bronx? Who was going to be that next guy? And that's why you thought that Don Mattingly was going to be the popular pick because Don Mattingly is Yankee royalty. And instead it was Joe Girardi. And I would say Joe Girardi did a good job, right? He won him a championship. Can't complain about that. And they haven't won one since. So it'll be really, really interesting to see which way not only the Pats, the Seahawks, Alabama football. Remember, Dan Lanning was the name that was kind of making the rounds last night while we were on the air, the Oregon head coach. And Dan Lanning got his social media team on it this morning because he put out a nice video, cool music, and him in a team meeting addressing his players and basically saying at the end, I'm I'm not leaving. I'm sticking around. So <laughs> I guarantee he's probably going to get a, an extra couple of bucks in a, a new little contract extension as well which is usually how these things work. All right, want to hear from you guys. Football is the topic at 800-919-3776. And let us start with Matt in New Jersey, who's going to be first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Matthew, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How you doing? Good, Matt. What's up? Listen, as, first things first, as a Jets fan, I don't know. I mean, I understand why you'd celebrate. I just don't ha- understand how you could. This guy literally has done nothing but kick your teeth in for the last 24 years. And if you're going to take a moral victory by beating him once with his worst roster of all time, I, you know, it, it's just like such a grain of salt you could take it with. And, and I'm a I'm a diehard Jets fan. I You know, I, I go back to – I remember that first year that he was there. And – you know, I look back and, and why this run will never be matched. You know, he never he never got old with the player. You know, I remember Seymour coming off an all-pro year, and then he trades him. Yep. Nate Solder, Matt Light, that entire offensive line never got old. He would trade them before they declined. Damian Woody, you know, twilight years with the Jets, but he never got old with the Patriots. And and you could go down the line. He Wes Welker he was one of those guys. guys. Right. Well, and he would get these guys and he would play them until he knew when it was time to get out before that last contract, before he was in too deep on them. And then next thing you know, he's getting two or three more draft picks. He never tra- he never went for best available in the draft because he didn't want to be saddled with the contract. He'd rather trade down and get two or three extra guys and find out which one worked. And, and the other thing, too, you can't be discounted. He had Tom Brady on the Giselle Bunchen discount for the better part of his career. It's true. And, and, you know, when you think about it, that probably added four starters to his defense every single year because he was able to, you know, get the greatest quarterback to ever play the game for $15 million a year when quarterbacks, you know, contracts were going up. He had Brady at such a discount. 
and, it was, and you know it was it's you know Matt it's similar and I, and I thank you for the phone call and, and spot on with all your points spot on there's a lot of similarities to what the run that the San Antonio Spurs had and I know that San Antonio didn't win as much as let's say the Patriots but Duncan Parker Ginobili throwing Kawhi Leonard there for the last few years with Popovich like those guys were in the hunt every single year that's the comparison that I make with the Patriots what the San Antonio Spurs were in the NBA for all those years. And just like as Matt was saying, that you had a unique situation where you had a quarterback who didn't demand to be the richest player and highest paid player on his team, even though at the end that became a problem, and that's why he wanted to go get his riches, among other things, down in Tampa Bay and someplace else. Like, he was tired of the hometown discount. That's why Tim Duncan was the perfect superstar for San Antonio. You had one of the most low-maintenance, unassuming guys off the court. And on the court, he was a damn good player and, and, and a winner. And all those guys kind of followed in step. So just like it worked out for San Antonio, it worked that way for the New England Patriots. And, 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 and I go back to my own experiences, you know, before I even got into the business and whatnot as a fan. I'll never forget that season, that first championship season in 2001, when Brady came on the scene and they were going on this run, and they were winning games. I remember sitting there, and then, you know, they they got a break with the tuck rule play against the Raiders in the playoffs. Remember, if that tuck rule play is ruled the way it should have, it should have been a fumble. I mean, come on. Then that first Super Bowl doesn't happen. And then who knows if we're singing a different tune about this dynasty and this legacy. We have no idea. But just watching that entire season play out, I can't believe I'm saying this, but at the time you almost felt that it was like a feel-good story. Right? Like, everything that was happening, like the underdog quarterback, a sixth rounder, you know, th- th- this team coming from nowhere where you thought that it wasn't going to happen. Nobody thought that Tom Brady was going to be Tom Brady at that point. Because even that first, even those first couple of championships, like, he wasn't lighting it up. They were built a different way. They were built on defense and running the football. So, like, that first one, I remember sitting there saying, ah, oh, this ain't going to last. Eh, all right, let them have their one, and then things will get back to normal next year. Because remember, the following year, in 2002, Patriots missed the playoffs altogether. And then it really seemed like 01 was a fluke. And that was it. And he didn't have to sit there. But I, I think back to that you know, version of me 20, what, 3, 24 years ago. If you would have tapped that me on the shoulder and said, you see what you're watching right here? This is going to continue for 20 years. 20 like the quarterback is going to play till he's 45 the coach ain't going anywhere and they're going to win six Super Bowls and go to 10 along the way I would have said you're out of your freaking mind go back to whatever universe that you came from and never bother me again that's how crazy it was because things like that didn't happen in the NFL and that's why we're never going to see the likes of it again all right, 800-919-3776. We'll keep the conversation going. Giants also making a move as far as their coaching staff is concerned today. We'll get into that as well, plus the passing of an iconic New York Met. Dan Gross' show for another 60, right here on 98.7 ESPN. They ain't winning. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. 
Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. And reminder, tomorrow morning, bright and early, me and my friend Dave, little DNR action starting at 6 a.m. So we'll have some fun there tomorrow and Monday, as a matter of fact. So tomorrow morning, Monday morning, me and Dave hanging out, having some fun, a lot of wild card weekend talk, I'm sure, centering around the NFL. Before we get back to the phones here, the Giants, who, remember, have been firing coaches or losing coaches left and right since the season ended, they actually filled one of those voids today. They hire a new offensive line coach to replace uh, Bobby Johnson. It's Carmen Brasillo, who was the O-line coach for the Vegas Raiders for the last couple of seasons. Before that, he was up in New England. So he is now the guy entrusted with fortifying that offensive line and making sure whoever the hell the quarterback is going to be, whether it's Daniel Jones, whether it's Tommy DeVito, whether it's some kid who is still technically a college student, they got to make sure that they keep him upright and give him a chance to be successful. So there you go there. Carmen Brasillo, offensive line coach for the New York football giants. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next on 98.7. Hello, Art. How are you? Bring him back home, baby. Make that call. Bring him home. Yeah, I don't think that's happening, Art. And you know who should announce it? Um, Mellow. I'm coming home. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I would have never thought, right? Oh, the way he's coming. And then I got to listen to these guys that break before you on ESPN. I'm going, holy cow. Why not? Make the call. But I, I want to ask, like, um, coach ethics. Do they do they make the call and say, dude, you, you have a coach already. I'm not taking a position. Unless you fire the guy, then then I know it's never going to happen. But if you're if you're the owner, do you make the call? No, I think it's a useless okay. call because All number right. one, you know why Art? Because there's no love lost between those two sides. Certainly over the last twenty yeah, years. But, yeah, but you do you go with the assumption he's never going to take? You know what? That's like saying right. That's like saying. There's the most beautiful girl in the bar. I'm not going because I don't think I'm good looking enough. What do you got to lose? I told no. myself the same thing. No, you, you know what it is? Art, you know what it is? There's the hot chick at the end of the bar, and the reason you're not going up to talk to her is because she hates you already. That's why. Oh, we lost Artie. That's, that, that, that's why you don't make the call. He wouldn't, if they called Bill, he wouldn't even answer the call. As long as he sees the caller ID coming up and says Florham Park, New Jersey, he's going to send it to voicemail. Or he may not even send it to voicemail. Just let make the voicemail go on its own. 
He might not even lift the finger to hit where you say, like, you know, block the call or stop the call, send it to, to the voicemail. He wouldn't even do that. Although I will say there probably are a couple of other available coaches right now, as you and I are talking, that they would maybe be more inclined to pick up the phone and place an investigative phone call to, even though they currently have a head coach who's employed. That's all I'm saying. But I don't think it's Bill Belichick. Let's say hi to Jose in Brooklyn. He's up next. Jose, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Dan. Hello to Chantal and Joe Leo. Just wanted to, you know, chit-chat about this, you know, momentous day, apparently, you know, in history. Because apparently we've got a lot of legends, you know, leaving. And, you know, I, I, I was hearing all day the radio talk with Bill Belichick. And believe me, I'm not here to take swipes at Tom Brady or Bill Belichick's, you know, legacy. Because it is what it is. It's, you know, literally one of the greatest winning runs in football history. But what I what, what I do find funny is is when people try to say you know well Brady went to the Buccaneers and he got you know he got his one and I'm just like you guys do realize that he went to a team with two Pro Bowl wide receivers two Pro Bowl tight ends a good offensive line a great play caller and Bruce Arians and oh there was a time where. Bill Belichick's record was actually good without Tom Brady, with Matt Castle and Jimmy Garoppolo. But I guess we kind of forgot that because we just want to remember what happened with Matt Jones and everything. But it's kind of cra- crazy how but they never made the he never are. made the playoffs with those guys, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is true because uh, you know the whole Matt Castle they were uh, what was it ten and six and they got yeah. you know ousted, yeah, yeah, ousted pretty much. So it was uh, it, 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 it is hilarious in those situations. But you know what? By the way, I was having a good old laugh because you know as as we are in the DVG, the dam, and you know you're going to be transitioning over to the d- double D's tomorrow morning. <laughs> I have to just go and say this right here real quickly. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick will never take the jet job. He no. is he, all he has to do is he is, all he has to do is just look at Rob Sala's depression on the other side and realize why I pretty much pretty much resigned on a napkin and said I didn't want to deal with this from the very beginning. He was right 24 years ago. He's going to continue to be right right now. And he's going to go somewhere possibly like, you know, I think he's going to either go to either go home to Washington or possibly, you know, take a run at, you know, just uh, Justin Herbert cuz you know cuz that 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 that's a team that, you know, possibly needs, you know, a, a winning culture because they they're, they're going to ruin that kid out there. Well, but just wanted to hear your thoughts and have a great one, guys. Jose be good. Look, and, and look, it's yeah, he's there's no way he's ever going to be coaching the Jets. It's not going to happen. And and forget about what happened 24 years ago. A lot has transpired since to where it's an absolute impossibility that something like this would ever take place. So that, that's not even worth even bringing it up for discussion. Other jobs, that's a different story. You know, you brought up the Washington thing. It would be ironic, right? You know, Belichick, so many people hold him in high esteem and, you know, one of the great coaches of all time, if not the greatest. And, boy, wouldn't it be something that he ends up leaving the job that he is known for and goes to the Washington franchise, which is just what Vince Lombardi did when he moved on from the Green Bay Packers, Right? That would be interesting, that their paths would kind of converge in that sense. One other thing, though, real quick that Jose was saying about Brady going to Tampa Bay. And this, remember, the year before Tampa Bay won that Super Bowl and br- b- the year before Brady got there, they were 7-9. and nine. 
They were 7-9. and nine. And Jameis Winston, like, led the world in interceptions. Did he not? So, you know, Brady, they're not winning that Super Bowl without Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, you, you got to give him some credit for what he's done. Chris is in Bethpage. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Chris. Hey, Dan. Can you hear me? Yeah, Chris. What's going on? Uh, slight correction. Uh, he did take uh, Mac Jones to the playoffs three years ago. They got their doors blown off by Buffalo, but he did take them to the playoffs. No, I know he took Mac Jones to the playoffs, but Jose brought up uh, Matt Castle and Jimmy Garoppolo. That's why I said he didn't go to the playoffs with those guys. Uh, right, I know. But he was 11 Because Garoppolo only played a few Cass- games when Brady was suspended also. Right, and he did go 11-5. and five. It was just a, a freakish year. He did go 11-5 and five with Castle, if you remember. Yeah, and the Jets actually went up there and beat him, believe it or not, on a Thursday night. No, I know. In overtime. That but was a great I'm, game. But what I'm just saying is he did he did make it work with these other quarterbacks other than Brady. You know, no matter what people say. And he, you know, like you said, with Cleveland, he made it work with Cleveland. Uh, but I want to get to he, this he point, Dan. Chris, like I, like I said before, he would have won. I, I do think that ultimately he would have won a Super Bowl. If Tom Brady never was on this planet, he just wouldn't have won six of them. I totally I agree with you, no doubt yeah. about it. Um, okay, I will say this. I'm a Giants fan. I'm 60 years old. I always like that perspective on things. And as Belichick retiring or, or getting fired, whatever, mutual parting of the ways, puts a lot of things in perspective. I find this all the time, particularly for my fellow Giant fans and younger ones, just so spoiled about everything. You know, like we haven't done this in 10 years, worst record in the league, this and that. All I could say is this, from the time I was 23 to the time I was 48, the Giants went to five Super Bowls, won four of them, beat Belichick and Brady twice, okay? And I got to be a fan of Belichick when he was the defensive coordinator. Think about it. I had Parcells and Belichick on, you know, coaching my staff. And by the way, it was the Belichick game plan that helped beat the Buffalo Bills, the invincible Buffalo Bills. And, you know, it's just funny. Outside of the 86 Giants, which were clearly dominant, one of the top ten teams in NFL history, pretty much the Giants won those Super Bowls as underdogs in all those Super Bowls. You know, pretty much uh, prohibitive underdogs. So I'm Not just, in 86. I want to take this. No, no, I said outside of 86, oh, which was okay. one of the top ten teams of, outside of 86, one of the top ten teams of all time outside of that. The three other times when they won the Super Bowl, they were prohibitive underdogs. And I'm just saying that it, I never lose perspective of that. I'm spoiled as a Giant fan, okay? So, you know, I just want, and particularly like you, and I have a bunch of friends who are Jet fans. I mean, you know, yesterday or two days ago was the 55th anniversary of them, uh, or tomorrow was, sorry, 55th tomorrow. anniversary when they yeah. last won a Super Bowl. So, I'm just saying, please, all my Giant fans, friends out there, particularly if you're around my age, um, just appreciate what we've had and what and to root for this organization instead of getting down on them all the time. And, you know, like I said, the whole Belichick thing really brought it to play. And, by the way, the worst hiring in the history of football was when we signed Ray Hanley in the 91 season, and they, mm. they could have signed Belichick. You know, they could have made Belichick the head coach. Right, After but you know how that you know how that is because Belichick and, and and Chris, thanks a lot for the phone call. You know Belichick is not going to win a lot of um, you know win a lot of contests for you know being a warm and fuzzy and and personable guy. And the Giants saw that behind the scenes, 
And, you know, he and Bill, I'm talking about Parcells at the time, didn't necessarily see eye to eye either. So, you know, Hanley, look, Hanley was a disaster for two years. Um, and then it took until Dan Reeves got there in 93 to get the Giants back up to respectability. But the Dan Reeves situation was a disaster. Remember, he, he put Phil Simms on the bench, gave Hostetler the starting job after Hostetler, you know, helped them win that Super Bowl uh, against the Bills um, at the end of the 1990 season. And what Chris was talking about, too, with that game plan to beat that Buffalo team in Super Bowl 25, which is one of the greatest football games you will ever see or I have ever seen. All right, that game plan is like sitting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, believe it or not. But what they decided to do that day or what Belichick did was, you know, basically um, allowed Thurman t- – because Buffalo had so many weapons offensively, and they were such a heavy favorite in that game. I mean, they were unstoppable, that K-gun offense. But they were essentially going to let Thurman Thomas run wild that day. And they didn't want Jim Kelly to beat them over the top with those wide receivers, the Andre Reeds, the James Loftons of the world. So they were going to beat the hell out of the wide receivers. Because remember, 1990, you could be a lot more physical playing football when it comes to, you know, putting your hands on guys, things that you can't do now in the NFL, or it's a, a, you know, 15-yard penalty and you get a fine in the mail, for crying out loud. But Thurman Thomas had a huge day that day in the Super Bowl. And he would have been the, the, the MVP of the game if, if Scott Norwood made that kick. At the end of the game, Thurman Thomas was the best player on the field that day. You know, ran for over 100 yards. I think he had like over 50 yards uh, receiving. And that was part of the game plan that the Giants and Belichick had to just don't let Kelly beat you over the top. And it worked. One of the great games you'll ever see. That, that to me was still like, you know, because I remember, look, I've, I saw plenty of the Bills that year, you know, as a, as a Jet fan growing up in the AFC East. I mean, that Bills team was a machine. You know, they embarrassed the, the L.A. Raiders in the, in the AFC championship game. They beat Marino and the Dolphins the week before and shut them down in the, in the divisional playoff. That team was a powerhouse. Look how many Hall of Famers are, were on that team. And not only are you going to tell me the Giants were going to win that game with, you know, Hostetler playing for Sims and, and, and what they were going to be able to do, but they were going to shut down that offense and then somehow walk off there victorious. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 800-919-3776. We roll till 8 o'clock tonight. Grasso Show, 98.7. It is the ESPN New York Super Box Bonanza 5. You know what we're doing? We're giving away over $10,000 in cash and prizes. All qualifiers will get a $25 Fanatics gift card and a chance at one of 10 Super Boxes with prizes, including a big screen TV, Nintendo Switch, MetaQuest, and much more. So get your box for the big game by listening to D.P. Adron Rothenberg from 6 to 10, Barton Hahn, noon to 3, K-Show, 3 to 6.30 for your chance to win $500 in the first and third quarters, $1,000 at halftime, and a final score payout of $2,000. All brought to you by Tullamore Irish Whiskey. And for full contest details, go to superboxbonanza.com. Dan Grasso's show, Dan Grasso's vehicle, rolling till the top of the hour. Then we got Knickerbocker basketball here on 98.7. Let's say hi to Ira. He is in Staten Island, New York. He's up next on 98.7. Hello, Ira. How are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. How are you? You know, taking my fandom out of this and just looking strictly as a football fan, the thing that I envied so much about watching a Belichick coach game, especially against the Jets, go through the Hermes, go through Mangini, Rex, in like 01 to about 013 or 14, something like that. Mm-hmm. Every time you played this guy, it was a different game plan. It, 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 like a chameleon, he w- he would change the, the the halftime adjustments, the strategy, how he would attack your weaknesses, whether it was special teams, whether it was offense, defense, and if you dared make one little mistake, they pounced on you. 
And maybe today's game, it doesn't work that way anymore. I watch these games, and I don't see the strategy like I, I saw from even coaches even before him. But what I how I saw him coach, like from 2000 to 2010, 2012, it, 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 it's just you really have to marvel at how well this guy coached football. It, it, it's 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 unprecedented, Ira. That's the word I keep coming up with, right? I mean, we're never going to see anything like this again. Like, for imagine, okay, there's eight head coaching vacancies right now in the NFL, I think. So imagine one of these guys or one of these teams that hires a coach here. Can you imagine saying that this guy's going to be on the job for 20 years? Like, you think of the run that even Mike Tomlin's had with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then who's next in line? John Harbaugh in Baltimore? I think John Harbaugh's going on like 16 years. That's it. That's yeah, it, and that's a hell of a run for those guys. It, it, it's a tremendous run, but they won't have the titles that this guy put up. It, it, it's just it's unbel- it, it's it's really really amazing. It's probably never going to be repeated again for for years and years and years if it ever gets repeated. And part of the reason for that too, and Ira, good phone call, appreciate you as always. Part of the reason that Mike Tomlin, let's say, doesn't have more Lombardis or John Harbaugh is that who do they have to butt heads with just to even get to a Super Bowl more often than not? Brady and Belichick. And remember the Ravens, the Ravens actually played well against the Patriots in the playoffs. You know, they beat them a couple of times. There was another one that they probably should have won that they didn't. Patriots always had the Steelers number in the postseason. Virtually always. You know, even that year in 2004, which was Roethlisberger's rookie season. And remember the Steelers went 15-1 and that year. They beat the Patriots in the regular season. And they had the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. And that was the one that the Jets let them off the hook, remember, because the Jets should have beat them in the second round. And Doug Bryan missed two field goals. Jets could have been in that AFC title game, and they probably wouldn't have beat the Patriots. But nevertheless, New England goes into Heinz Field and, and, and destroys Pittsburgh and goes to the Super Bowl and beats the Philadelphia Eagles to win their third title in uh, four years. So styles make fights, as they say. Uh, Tony in Connecticut up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Tony, how are you? Hey, good, Dan. Happy New Year. How you doing? Same, Tony. What's um, going on? Just want to make uh, two comments about Belichick. You know, one from the perspective of Jet fans. You know, obviously, hallelujah, I'm going to open a bottle of champagne tonight. That's one side of it, right? Because, he, like you said, I mean, he always had a defensive game scheme against any team he played take away the best weapon they had or what they like to do best. And you mentioned the Super Bowl uh, against Buffalo when he was defensive coordinator of the Giants. You know, the guy was brilliant. Um, But I'm glad we don't have to deal with him anymore. We'll see where he ends up. But then on the other hand, as a competitor, it would have been nice to have um, have, um, Aaron Rodgers play next year and beat Belichick. You know, as a competitor, you always want to beat the best, right? So there's that piece of it um, that's a little bit, you know. Yeah, but, 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 to but Tony, you know something? The problem is, and one of the reasons why they agreed on this quote-unquote mutual parting or however they want to phrase it, the Patriots are far from the best right now. And that's why yeah. this move was made today, because the Patriots are the furthest thing from a Super Bowl or championship contender. Remember, the Patriots are farther away than the Jets are, and the Jets haven't made the playoffs in 13 years. Think about that for a second. You know, they've bottomed out. And in a lot of these years, especially over the last handful, you know, once Brady moved on, Bill Belichick, the general manager, let down Bill Belichick, the head coach. And that's why things got as bad as they did. I mean, you you know, we've already talked about it on the show tonight. Like, there were years where 
that one year in 2008 when Brady was injured, they still found a way to win, what, 10, 11 games. They were successful. Playoff caliber team. You know, when Brady was suspended for Deflategate, you know, he had Garoppolo, he had Jacoby Brissett, he was winning games. These teams just aren't any good, right? I mean, you watch, you watch the Patriots play this year. They're terrible. I don't give a – who the hell the quarterback was. And I understand that, like, a lot of those years, especially towards the late end of Brady's run, Brady covered for a lot of other deficiencies that they had on that team. And that's what the great quarterback is supposed to do, and that's one of the reasons why the Jets were a little bit more confident about this roster heading into the season as maybe some outsiders were because they had Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers was going to be able to mask maybe some other areas that needed shoring up. That's what the special quarterbacks can do for you. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls. We come back. We'll sprinkle in a little basketball, a little baseball, too, and then round out your football calls. We roll till 8, then it's Knicks basketball right here on 98.7 ESPN. In the Mavericks, like I said earlier, they are all banged up tonight. Luka Doncic, Dante Exum, Derek Lively, Maxi Kleber, all out of the lineup tonight. So great opportunity for the Knicks. We'll see if they can continue stacking up these victories and – Things got a little interesting today with the Nets. Uh, I saw out there in Paris, they played this afternoon against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I saw that uh, Tristan Thompson was in the middle of it with Nick Claxton, and guys had to be separated. And I don't know if basketball in Europe gets that, he- uh, gets that heated <laughs> regularly, but with all the onlookers, you got Adam Silver there in the you know Global Series or whatever they call it for the NBA. Probably uh, wasn't something they wanted to showcase, but nevertheless, uh, Donovan Mitchell had himself a huge game, a 40-plus point outing, 45 as a matter of fact, which was a season high. So Cleveland beats the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, if the Nets stand pat, the reality is that they're going to have a hard time even just sneaking into the playing tournament. It's a complete crap. Well, the way things are looking right now, it is. And that's uh, our friend Darko. By the way, speaking of Darko, We played the clip for you last night where he went on a uh, tirade against the officials in Los Angeles after the Raptors lost to the uh, Lakers back on either Monday or Tuesday night it was. And the Lakers shot 23 free throws in in the fourth quarter alone. 23 free throws in the fourth quarter. Raptors only shot 13 free throws for the entire game. So his team comes up one point short. He thinks there's a little home cooking going on with the officiating, preferential treatment for the Stars, LeBron and AD and whatnot, and he went on a priceless tirade that you, I'm sure, can find online. Um, you know, channeled uh, the affinity that he has for his guy, Scotty Barnes. This got is a little... shame. <laughs> Why is it a shame? Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. I don't know about that, Coach, but like I said last night, you know that a letter, an email, a text – Something of that nature is going to be arriving in the old inbox for Coach Darko, and it did today. And I was surprised. He only got fined 25K. Now, I don't know if that's because he's a a rookie head coach in the NBA. They wanted to go easy on him a little bit, but... um, It's a complete crap. No, it's still 25K. And, And Joe made a great point. What did you say the conversion rate was when you factor in Canadian dollars? So from Canadian dollars to American... Or from American to Canadian dollars... It's $33,000 in Canadian dollars. Wow. So I don't know if maybe Serbian dollars, because I know he's Serbian, so maybe it's coming out of his Serbian bank account. I don't know the conversion rate on that. Yeah, that's the euro. And I think that uh, times are tough with that over there as far as that's concerned. But I would think 
that because the NBA's, you know, home base is here in the United States, and, you know, I'm sure they have the old bank account there at the Wells Fargo in uh, Manhattan someplace, you know, you just uh, roll up on the drive-thru and you could deposit the uh, $25,000 check at the ATM. Uh, could you imagine Darko. waiting through that with the tube? <laughs> it's like, what's taking this guy so long? He's depositing like, $25,000. <laughs> you do the drive-thru, and then at the end, what's your name, sir? Darko, what, Darko, what is it? Excuse me, do you have another form of ID? Is there anything else that we can help you with today? And then when he's done and he gets the receipt or whatever, they put the lollipop in the uh, in the envelope like they do when you do the drive-through at the bank. Putting that check, putting the big <laughs> check through the uh, through the tube. Oh, got a little going away price. So hey, you know what? I I per- and he's not going to pay it. I'm sure that the organization will take care of it. Maybe Masai Ujiri or, or something. But I Scotty think Barnes maybe maybe, maybe Scotty Barnes. Yeah, maybe that's why he decided to name drop him. There was like maybe Scotty will write the check. I think he's well within his rights, and I think that it is worth every single cent of the 25k for what he had to say. This is shame. So I'm tired of watching that stuff with the NBA and, you know, the stars getting the calls, but making it so lopsided like we saw the other night. There's no place for that. Don't need it. Uh, 800-919-3776. So the Knicks will see if they can take care of business. And I said, it's funny the way that the schedule is kind of playing itself out for them and they're getting these breaks, like not having to face Luka Doncic in this game tonight against Dallas is huge. I mean, remember what Luka did against them last year in the game against Dallas? Remember he had the 60-point triple-double? which was a game the Knicks, I mean, one of the great choke jobs you're ever going to see when they blew a nine-point lead with 33 seconds left in the game. Mavs forced overtime and won it somehow. And then you're going to go to Memphis on Saturday, and Memphis up until, you know, a few days ago, they were cooking. They had John Morant back. They were playing winning basketball. And now John Moran hurts his shoulder. He has surgery. He's out for the season. So they're going to go to Memphis and not play John Moran, not have to face John Moran on Saturday. And a Memphis team that I think has only won like three games on their home floor this year. Do I dare say that the Knicks could maybe sweep this road trip and win these two games? And then that would be a seven-game winning streak, and then you come home on MLK Day? I think they play the Orlando Magic on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. So then you take on an Eastern Conference team that, you know, you're battling for position with right now in that top part of the uh, Eastern Conference playoff standings. Everything's coming up next, and we'll see how much more OG Ananobi can add to his ridiculous plus-minus so far, which there's a little stat with OG. I think it's like he's the first player in NBA history to have a plus-minus of over 100 in his first five games with a team. And as I said, he's up to plus-111. So far in five games. Keep it going tonight. Keep it going. Let's say hi to um, David in Queens, who was up next here on 98.7. Hello, David. How are you? Yeah, great. I called about Belichick, but uh, let me just say, yeah, they, they made the logo now, all the NBA logo, Scotty, Scotty Barnes. You know, I mean, really, thanks, guys. And, um, you know, and the reason he only got 25K fine was um, because he must have made Vegas a lot of money that night or some whale out there nah. for money. Because I saw the stat line. I didn't see the game. But but anyway, let me say It's this a day. joke. It's it, you, yeah. Dave, it's, it's a, even yeah. all these days later, it's a joke that that was really the is. way it was officiated. Yeah, and LeBron's answer was a joke, too. Like, you know, he said, um, you know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a joke, really, but it was like he knew, even though he knew it was a joke, he's probably in on it. He said, did you hear LeBron's answer after the game? He said, um, 
Well, it's because they followed us more, you know. Oh, I mean, God. You, got, you kind of got to hear it, you know. I didn't it's really a complete crap. Yeah, right. I've been saying that in my head all day, guys. I, I love this. I, I learned that from you guys last night. I didn't know about the story. And um, thank you. It's really funny. And, um, yeah, but I'm on the Belichick here. Like Belichick always says, on to um, Tennessee or whatever. I'm on to Belichick, Dan. You did a good soliloquy summarizing his career, but you left out Spygate. Now, I know you're aware of it. As a no, I said Spygate. I said, I said complicated legacy, Spygate, Deflategate. Those all factor in. Yeah. You said that? Okay, I'm gonna, I didn't, yeah. I, I'm going to rewind. I, didn't, I must have missed that. I apologize. The thing is, though, from 03 to 07, he went 60, the team and him went 66 and 14. Now, that's really the only reason he's near Shula is that run. And it's an unprecedented run because of he's had the other team signals. You know, it does help with – it really helps you, but it, to me, it degrades you as a coach. When because they always say if you're trying, you, if you're not try, you're cheating, you're not trying. But the thing is, I mean, no one else was doing it to my knowledge. That's why, and that's why the Patriots were 66 and 14 from 03 to 07. And um, you know, it has to be. I mean, I really look at that, and I don't. I don't think he's going to San Diego Chargers. Los Angeles Chargers. I think he's going to Atlanta because he has a history of liking to work for big time owners. And Arthur Blank's a big time owner, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Say I'm gonna say hot take Atlanta. He's going to hot Atlanta, and um, the skins, you know, new ownership. He doesn't really know them. I think he's gonna maybe want to go to Atlanta, get out of the AFC, start a new in the dirty South, and a winnable division. And um, you know, uh, an owner. But Dave, Dave, you know what the problem? Dave, you know what the problem with Atlanta is though? And I thank you for the phone call. He's got no quarterback down there. He's got no quarterback, right? I mean, if if Arthur Smith had a quarterback, he might still be the coach. And that was one of the reasons why Arthur Smith got the job. You know, he's supposed to be an offensive guy, develop a quarterback, you know, so they can have another Matt Ryan down there for, for a decade. It never happened. You know, they were too loyal to somebody like Desmond Ritter, thinking that he was the answer, and then Taylor Heineke, they gave him a shot, and then, oh, he didn't work out, let's go back to Desmond Ritter. It, it's a mess. So I don't think you can necessarily – I don't think Belichick at this stage of the game – and here's the tricky point. Look, this is part of the reason why New England decided to part ways. Because New England had gotten to a point where they need a complete rebuild. You know, they don't have a lot of talent on that football team anymore. And you're not going to take a guy who's, you know, 70-plus years of age and start from the ground up again and say, okay, build this thing into a championship team. And that's why I can't see Bill and where he is right now in his life and in his career going someplace, drafting a pup quarterback, and then having him experience all the struggles and, you know, whatever rookie hiccups he's got to get out of his system before you're really, truly ready to compete for a championship again, which might take two, three years. I don't know if he wants that. I think he's going someplace that already has at least an established quarterback. Chargers have that already in Herbert. Now, some people think he's maybe a little bit overrated, but still, you can win with Justin Herbert. If you get good coaching, you can win with him. And that's one thing that Justin Herbert has not had so far in his career is anything close to good coaching. Not even close. Let's say hi to Fargo, who's in uh, Brooklyn up next here on 98.7. Fargo, how you doing? Good. How's it going? Good. What's going on? Oh, one thing I want to fact check you. You said that Dan Reeves benched Phil Sims. No, I didn't. I said Ray Hanley benched. Ray Hanley benched Phil Sims. Yeah, I want to make sure I heard that correctly because I'm a – Diehard Giants fan, my man Phil Simmons. Make sure you get the facts straight. Well, Fargo, we got Belichick. the facts. Yeah, go ahead. All right, all right well, okay. Now, we, we had that right the first time. Ray Hanley benched him. We can go through the whole thing if you want. You know? Phil Simms got hurt late in 1990. Hostetler took over. 
ran them through the playoffs, which was an, an incredible run. They, they embarrassed the Bears at, at Giant Stadium. Then they went to San Francisco and won. You know, if you want to talk about, like, history of football as a fan, if you have somebody who's like, you know, let's keep it to the Giants because that's what we're talking about. Like, if you want to introduce, like, a young kid who's just getting into football into, like, what it means to be a fan, specifically what it means to be a Giant fan, go pull up. Back-to-back games, the 1990 NFC Championship game in San Francisco and then Super Bowl XXV against Buffalo. Think about that. And remember, that was a year that there was no extra week between Championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. So that was one Sunday immediately right to the next one, one week in between. There was no two weeks that time. And you had the Gulf War going on, the backdrop with everything. The Giants beat San Francisco. That was the three-peat game. The Niners were going for the three-peat that year. Incredible they won that game. Five field goals by Matt Barr that day. And then we already talked about Super Bowl XXV and everything that happened that day. But, yeah, then Parcells, quote-unquote, retired, walked away from the Giants after winning that Super Bowl. Ray Hanley took over from, from the staff and gave the job to Jeff Hostetler, who he felt, you know, was, was better suited to guide the team offensively instead of Phil Simms. And, see, nowadays if something like that happens, right, Phil Simms, who was a Super Bowl MVP in his own right, had one of the great Super Bowl Sundays that anybody will ever. It's tough to top Phil Simms, 22 of 25, in Super Bowl, um, what was that, 21, against the Denver Broncos out in Pasadena. Tough to be better than Phil. Think about everything that Phil accomplished at that point. Was already a championship-winning quarterback, suffers an injury, and only lost his job because of injury, and then hung around the team for two years, essentially as the backup. Nowadays, somebody of Phil Simms' clout, he's getting traded or he's going to ask to be traded and go play for another team where he can start. He's not going to ride the pine. And so they blew Ray Hanley out of there after two years. Dan Reeves took over in 93, gave Phil Simms the job back, and lo and behold, look what happened. They made the playoffs again and won a playoff game with Phil Simms. 800-919-3776. We'll close it out with you on the phones and talk about the passing of a Met icon as well. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. 